You're listening to a Westpac Wire podcast. Westpacwire.com.au. Industry disruption is happening everywhere, and it's not just limited to digital disruption. Indeed, it's even happening in eyewear. And you don't need to look any further than Dresden Optics, which is taking a very different approach to the production and sales of specs. My name is Siobhan Tuhill, and I'm joined today by one of the co-founders of Dresden Optics, Bruce Jeffries. Bruce, welcome to the studio, and congratulations on Dresden being named today among the top 20 in Westpac's Businesses of Tomorrow program this year. Thanks, Siobhan. It's great to be here. Now, Bruce, Dresden Optics is not your first successful startup. You also founded GoGet CarShare back in 2003. Congratulations on the 15 years anniversary. Now, that's a pretty big leap from sharing cars to making and selling spectacles. How did you do it? They don't, they don't seem obvious, do they? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, accessing cars on street is, is yeah, a subscription-based service to being Australia's now only manufacturer of prescription eyewear. So we manufacture in retail. The connection is around product service systems. You know, it's how do you make people's busy lives simpler? Uh, and you know, when it came to owning a car, like for a lot of people, they just wanted the driving of the car, not the ownership of the car. Well, when you look at glasses, like people buy a pair of glasses and they break them, and it's a big, big pain in the ass. Like, you know, they're busy, they depend on this thing. What are they going to do? And so with Dresden, we actually just reinvented how glasses worked into a modular system where everything's replaceable, and we put a lifetime warranty on the frame. So if you break a pair of our glasses, you come in and we give you a new pair and you're on your way. Like that, that, that's, so the connection's really around uh, simplifying people's lives. Now, um, you, know, you weren't an, an, an optometrist or an optician, but you've somehow learnt about how to make glasses. Is one of your keys to your success as an entrepreneur about diving into sectors where you haven't necessarily worked before? You know, this idea of being unencumbered by the way things have always been done? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a key or whether it's just a grand stupidity. Doing that, you, you sort of, yep. you've stumbled your way into um, a sector you know nothing about uh, and before you know it, it's too late and you're in and, and uh, you know, it, it comes just from a curiosity uh, and uh, you're right, I knew nothing at all other than being a wearer of glasses, uh, nothing about the industry or how it worked, uh, but there was a real intense passion uh, to actually uh, make something that changed, you know, helped, helped people. And uh, it's really, that's the core of it. Uh, and it's tough to maintain that, especially working within old industries that have a very particular way of working. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, I, I actually see it as a bit of naivety, like that you, do you mean? You, it's helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's helpful, but it, yeah. Uh, it's, now, it's, it's definitely not a deliberate thing. Yeah. It's not like you know, pick something you know nothing about and then it's more you just stumble into it. Now, you're, you're a disruptor, um, but I also love the story about how you've helped another business that's being disrupted, which is now part of your supply chain, so Astor. Can you tell me a bit more about what, what happened there and how you're helping them? That was amazing. Like you think about it, we, we wanted to manufacture glasses in Australia and yeah, everything has obviously been offshored. And at the same time, the car industry has you know, basically closed and we were really fortunate to be put in contact with a, a, a plastic injection moulding factory in Lakemba, in southwest Sydney. Uh, that was one of these factories that was affected by the closure of the car industry. And it was a timing thing. They were very much looking for ways to diversify uh, the products that they made. And we came along 
and and really formed a very close partnership uh, working on a new system. And what was great about because they hadn't been in the optics industry either, they come from the car industry, there was no preconceptions either there about you know, what, what we could do. So uh, we were really, a lot of things in business often come down to timing. And uh, by really putting our heads together, uh, we could uh, just check all the assumptions that you, know, you normally have around how things are made and, and take a different approach to it. So a real core thing that happened very early on was around sustainability and recycling and making sure not only that those products is fully recyclable, but that we could actually incorporate waste plastics into the manufacture of it. And Aster have been really critical in uh, enabling us to experiment and, and actually do things that nobody else in the world is doing. Um, so, Bruce, um, you've talked a bit about the system and, and how it all, uh, a bit about how it works, but how do the actual pieces all come together and, and what are the frames actually made from? So how it's different is we have come up with one universal frame in four different sizes, from extra small up to large, with every component being interchangeable. So we have this pin system where the arms can be swapped with the frame, with the, you know, the face of the frame. The lenses can be popped in and out. You don't need a specialist person to change the lenses. And everything's made from the one material. So we, by, by making it from the one material, it means the entire thing is recyclable. So we, we have um, a frame made from super durable, super tough nylon. And so it's just one frame, isn't it? It's one frame. And that's one of the radical differences is, you know, people walk into an optics shop and they are faced with thousands of choices and they're like, what the hell? Do you know, like, you know, I've got some 20-year-old telling me what suits my particular type of face. Really? I've just bet them for two minutes. We're like... We, we, we pride ourselves in going, no, we've got a really great shape that works for most people, um, hundreds of colours, let's make this simple. Do you know what I mean? So it's about the quality lenses in those glasses, a frame that's super tough and also with a lifetime warranty, which mm. means that yeah, anything happens to it, like the dog chews it up. Do you mean we can yeah. just replace it? Yeah, and in fact, my dog did chew a pair of mine up. Um, but also it comes in different sizes, different colours and different materials too. That's it. Yep. That's it. So we're having a lot of fun with – so different sizes are from, you know, primary school age kids up uh, to, you know, people with – it's funny how many people think they have a really big head. Like it's, it's, one of the, <laughs> it's one of these things that we discovered is that there's a lot of people walking around with a big head phobia and if you're out there – it's not you actually don't have a big head. I'm just letting you know. It's actually you feel like you do, but you don't. And and so, um, though you yeah you might <laughs> you might have a big head another way. But anyway, so so, <laughs> so so the so you have yeah a simple system, but the material uh, can be from. So what we discovered is that we can actually take in uh, fishing nets, uh, milk like the keg lids from beer kegs. Uh, Lego, a whole range of materials and recycle and basically up, upcycle them into glasses. And that's made us realise that we have this amazing stock of waste plastics that can be used for it. And so we're actually doing a huge amount of work on on turning this into um, a viable mainstream production. Because at the moment it's ad hoc mm. and bit boutique and mm. it's not it's, it doesn't stack up compared to using a virgin material. Um, but we are working on actually making it uh, you know, better than the virgin material. So. And I have to say I love wearing um, Dresdens that are made from recycled product because they're, they're glasses with a story. 
It's so like, much fun. They, they, come, they come from somewhere and, and, they, and they, they basically are solving an environmental problem. Like if it's fishing it off a beach, you, you'll see outside pubs, keglids are those little plastic sort of plastic discs that are sort of discarded around. Do you know what I mean when, mm. when, when kegs are delivered to pubs? Uh, we're very keen on – yeah, that, that's exactly it. And uh, the thing about plastics is it is highly recyclable if it's actually used. Uh, and so that, that's what we're developing. Now, Dresden is growing pretty fast in Australia. How many stores have you got now? Uh, yeah, so we're up to eight stores. Um, so we started in uh, 2015, uh, actually in July, uh, so three years ago, with uh, a store in Newtown. And we now have uh, five in Sydney and three in Melbourne. And you're expanding overseas. Um, and in fact, that expansion has been made possible by a $4 million investment from Investec. Where are we going to see Dresden next? Well, we were actually just opened up in Toronto in Canada and uh, it's going really well. In fact, we've just signed a lease for our second store in Toronto. So we're, we're, we've seen uh, that lo and behold, Canadians are not that different to Australians and they too would love you know, glasses that they can get on the spot uh, you know, that are super tough and you know, that are not the usual system. So that's been a great validator that it's not just crazy Australians that are into this glasses system. So um, we really are looking uh, across the ditch now at uh, um, much neglected New Zealand cousins you know, <laughs> and, and, and um, thinking that we need to share a bit of love with them because we're, you know, they, they, they're always, you know, we're, we're neglecting them. So, so we're looking at expanding through Australia, New Zealand and Canada. Uh, and importantly, our system works really well online. Uh, and from here, Dresden is not about uh, just working in, in, in rich developed countries. The same system that is convenient for people in uh, you know, advanced countries is also uh, super important for people who have no access to eyewear. Um, so we're, looking, we're working really hard on how uh, we can grow this global market. Wow. So how much capital have you raised now and, and who are your typical and your biggest investors? Oh, well, it's our first – It's our first. Mm. Uh, like we basically raised $4 million from um, Investec yep. and it's our first capital raising and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a really important part of taking us outside of Australia. Uh, so – the one of the things about being an Australian business is uh, access to capital is, is difficult. Uh, and the thing that is uh, really essential to us around uh, why Investec is that they have a global view. Uh, you know, they are a South African, uh, originally a South African-based bank with you know, large operations around the world, but particularly in the United Kingdom. Uh, you know, their main headquarters are in Johannesburg, London and Sydney. So... Uh, that ability to look at other markets is really key to us. At the end of the day, Australia is a funny market. It's 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 small, but not that small, but not really that big either. And um, you know, we really, uh, you know, we're, we're a manufacturer, and manufacturing is around volumes. So it's not about being a niche player in a small market. And for Investec, why Dresden? What was it that got them um, comfortable or excited about you? It's a great question because traditionally most of the investment at the moment is going into IT type firms uh, and uh, one of the hardest things for us to communicate is that we're a manufacturer, a retailer, 
with a significant IT platform underneath what we do. And so you can often fall into like a retail investment category or a manufacturing or a biomedical. Or, and so one of the challenges is to communicate uh, that actually IT is core to what you're doing. Uh, you're just applying it into a different channel. So we don't see ourselves as retailers. We don't see ourselves as manufacturers. We actually see ourselves as having a whole system. Uh, and that's, I think, why um, uh, they saw potential. Now, Bruce, when we first met, you were working in the sustainability team at the Department of Planning. I think that was maybe the early 2000s. And there continues to be an idea about sustainability that sits at the heart of what you do, in particular around cutting out waste. And in fact, I'm wearing my GhostNet Dresdens today. Um, what do you think about the future of startups with a sustainability or a for-purpose focus? It, it's really the, the, the really heartening thing is the way that sustainability has become uh, completely a default value. Uh, to so many people, and so, like I think about when we started go get and car sharing in two thousand and three, it was just in such a crazy idea to so many people. It just didn't, you know, it just was like, what? It doesn't make sense. If you think now, uh, especially younger people, in how they approach or think about the car, like it, it's like a, it's like completely. This is of course this is how you would do things. This is, why would you own a car? Of course you would use a mixture of Uber and car share and public transport and yeah. You know, so, so that I think that same shift is the same with you know if you take it to glasses. Like why are they made of this particularly completely unrecyclable product that they break all the time and you throw them in the bin or you give them, even worse you give it to some third world recycling program which is a travesty. Uh, so the the. That's the sustainability values I don't see as an extra it's like it's, it's implicit in what we do so it's not just around the frames it's around everything that we're doing uh, and so the it's a very it's an exciting time but it's also difficult because you are dealing with embedded processes you know in, in the way that things have always been done and are you seeing um, many other startups emerging that have this sustainability focus or um, I guess the circular economy idea sitting at the heart of what they do Yes, yeah, there are. There, there, there are a lot of people um, with a lot of uh, passion and enthusiasm. Uh, and the thing that worries me is that the, the, what is a barrier to sustainability are structural regulatory hurdles. Uh, yeah, the market can't solve things uh, that are embedded in a structural re- you know, regulatory problem. So uh, I am a bit worried that uh, governments are not doing enough to fundamentally uh, change regulation to allow uh, things to be more sustainable. A, a very simple example would be in Victoria, uh, if you go into a takeaway shop with your container and say, can you put this takeaway food in my container? They will go, no, the Department of Health does not allow us to use anything other than our plastic containers. You know, In New South Wales, Department of Health doesn't have that regulation. You actually can do it. But it's it's patchwork. It's completely it's a very micro example of the way that I feel uh, that government has at the end of the day a core role in policy and, and that's when we met. Mm. You know, it it was within uh, that you know we were working on policy things and policy still matters. So you know don't look at startups at fixing all of the world's problems. You know, it actually, uh, they can help, but the, the groundwork has to be done. 
In fact, I was approached by a startup the other day that is all about using um, or reusing um, containers to take to your, your local takeaway or, or your food uh, vendor at lunchtime. Really interesting. Um, now, with Dresden, you're not just selling eyewear in your stores. You're also working in partnership to deliver uh, spectacles or glasses to people who need help most. Um, how do you make this work both practically and financially? Yeah, it's a real challenge. Mm. Well, we, we, we don't the, – the, the core – our core mission is to, is to provide quality glasses to everyone. We, we don't see why a 700-year-old invention – uh, that actually can be affordably manufactured is not available to people to be able to read, work, drive, do all the things that are essential to day-to-day living. Uh, what we do see are all these structural barriers that stop that happening. You know, the health system is geared against have everybody having accessible, affordable um, uh, you know, eyewear, so or, or access to you know, prescription glasses. So partnering. Mm. is really core to that. Uh, we're looking to work with uh, people across the health sector to actually enable Australians to who need a pair of glasses to be able to get a pair of glasses. It's as simple as that. And right now today, uh, in what is really such a wealthy country, we have hundreds of thousands of people who are going without glasses uh, for a range of reasons, and it's not acceptable. I mean, I love the Dresden Mobile um, uh, van, caravan, um, and how it gets out into communities. And I know there's great stories about uh, serving um, older Australians with eyewear or Indigenous students. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they're great stories. Yeah. You, are you going to do more of that? We're really trying to. Mm. The, the hard thing is that we don't want to do a charity model because we, we believe that, um, in essence, everybody should be able to afford and access it as a regular customer. We also see, see the charity model is not being ongoing. Mm. Like it, it works for a while, but then who's going to continue to fund it? And you know, so so uh, what we're really focused on is serving people outside of the capital cities in rural regional areas with a model that is um, viable and commercial. Now, Bruce, if I've got some ideas um, about a great new circular economy startup, what would your parting words of advice be to me? Oh, so, okay. Good question. Simply, the best thing you can do is get into the market and try whatever your idea is out on on, on, on your on custom on real customers and by real customers I mean definitely not family and friends not people that you know there's nothing like uh, a stranger uh, purchasing um, a service or a product that you've made um, there's too much emphasis on you know getting things perfect and right before it goes to market like you really need just to try and test things out um, and I'll give you a simple example. Like I, you know, one of the things I thought was, it wouldn't it be great to make glasses out of pasta. So yeah, <laughs> with with my, with you know, one of my daughters, we basically mucked around, made a mold, and we made glasses out of like spinach pasta, and it was a complete failure. <laughs> it never actually even got into the market. But you know, like so, it's really about it's it's about about not being too precious, having fun, and getting into the market, and just just trusting people to give you feedback, and strangers will give you honest feedback. And that's the most important thing is like just because once once you're in the market, then people are actually letting you know what they want and what 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 they need. 
and not what you imagine they want and need. Well, thanks, Bruce. Thank you so much for coming into the studio today. And I think what I really love about Dresden is that it is prescription glasses with fun. Thank you. That's all from us today at Westpac Wire. For more, head to westpacwire.com.au. Thanks for listening.